0: Welcome to the Imago Day Community Podcast. Hey, Imago Day, it's good to be with you. I hope that you're all doing well. Um, and, and if you haven't had a chance to watch the last week or the week before, I hope you'll tune in and do that because this series is really connected as we are walking through a really challenging moment during the pandemic, but also looking at this tremendous hope that God has given us in the resurrection. Uh, Before we get going, I have a few announcements that I want to make. And the first is we're doing another survey. This one is much shorter. It's only 11 questions. But during this COVID time, as we have had to pivot and do church really differently, Uh, We want to know and hear from you how you're doing. We have pastors and ministry leaders who are connecting, and we're hearing some things from you that way, and hopefully we're serving you well, but we want to be able to do that better. And so if you could take just a few minutes to fill out 10, 11 questions on this survey, the link's below. It's also on the description page of our website, and it would just help us a ton. Uh, we know that, that we're working hard and we're trying to serve you, but we, there's a lot we don't know. And so you can help us uh, help you in that way. And so please uh, do that. It's only going to be open for two weeks. So if you could do that in the next two weeks, I would appreciate it. The second thing is that May we're, is a month of prayer for the city of Portland. And if you didn't have a chance last week to sign up at PrayForPortland.org, you can still do that. And the idea is if there was ever a time for the body of Christ to come together and to pray together for our city, for our health, for our businesses, for God's spirit to be at work for our churches, um, now's the time. And so if you could take an hour, whether that's a day, a week, just once this month and join several thousand believers around Portland to pray. That would be beautiful. And again, the link is below. Today, we're entering into the last portion of 1 Corinthians 15. And this passage over the last few weeks, we've walked through it, and it is Paul's most robust description of the resurrection, of what's going to happen, not just in Jesus's resurrection, but in ours in the future. And I hope you've enjoyed it. It's encouraged my faith uh, just to study it, and I'm hearing good things about what God's doing in many of your lives. But if you haven't had a chance, please go back and watch that and get caught up. Today, he's wrapping up the chapter, and he does it with this very uh, beautiful sort of picture of Easter, but it's not Jesus's Easter, it's our Easter, when the time comes for us to be risen in our glorified bodies at the end. And so he says this in verse 50 of chapter 15, if you turn there with me, he says, "...I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been closed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying is written, And will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? And the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God that he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain." That's a mouthful. Uh, he, but he goes on to wrap up the chapter with this beautiful picture, and it really is an Easter picture. It's a picture of our Easter, when, when all things have come to an end, when Christ brings heaven to earth, and where he raises us with resurrection bodies. And so when he says in verse 50, Uh, through 52, that I declare to you, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. He's not suggesting that we won't have a body. We talked about that in the last several weeks, but he's contrasting the natural body, the Adam sort of life that all living people have, the natural sort of life that lives and breathes and then eventually dies. And he says, no, that cannot inherit the kingdom of God because it's perishable. And the body that we will have is imperishable. And then he goes on to explain a mystery. And Paul has uh, a few different times within the New Testament that he talks about a mystery. And a mystery isn't something necessarily that's confusing that we don't understand, but it's something that has not been revealed that is now being revealed. And what he's revealing to us is this moment when our resurrection takes place, this incredible moment when Jesus comes to put the world right, and he starts that by giving us a body that is put right, an imperishable body, just like his. And so it's a picture that he uses of putting on clothes, taking off the old clothes of Adam's body and putting on the new clothes of new creation. And when that happens, both for the dead who are raised and those who are alive at his coming, then the victory over death is made complete. And that really has been where Paul's going through the whole chapter, that the great enemy that we have and we know too well at this moment is death, that as beautiful and as robust as our old Adam lives can be, things that we see, that we know, that life is just so beautiful and precious, and then death comes along with this great enemy that, that takes that away. And there are people within our city, people all over the world that are dying right now. We know it's sting. But Paul's great announcement here is that it does not triumph. It doesn't have the final victory. And so what he's doing in 53 and 54 is that he's rubbing in this point that the perishable has to put on the clothing of imperishable, that the mortal has to put on the new clothing of immortality, And when that happens, death gets swallowed up in victory. And he's calling them to use their imaginations to picture a world where there is no death, where that great enemy literally gets destroyed, gets devoured, gets swallowed by the power and the mercy of the creator. Death has always been the enemy. It it jumped into the story in chapter three of Genesis, and the whole redemptive history that finds its climax in Jesus has been pushing back on this death threat, this very real death threat that sin equals death. And so both sin and death are destroyed in Christ. And he goes into this taunting song, this sort of like uh, if you picture an army or uh, a sports team that has just crushed their opponent and they sort of sing their chant into the locker room or wherever it is, that's what he's doing now. We will collectively be taunting death in a sense. Where, oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? And he's quoting Isaiah and he's quoting um Haggai or Hosea, I can't remember which one it is, but he's quoting these prophets who hundreds of years before announced that this day was coming. And Paul says, this is a mystery, but this day is the day I'm talking about. And it's this Christ who has conquered, who will come to finish what he started in this new creation that is unfolding now and will be completely finalized in the end. And so, Paul just gives us this picture that we will be like taunting it. We will be so victorious. And won't that be a moment when you think of loved ones, I think of those who have lost kids, those who have lost parents, those who have lost loved ones even now during COVID, to be able to look death in its face and say, you are no more. You're no more. You're never ever again gonna take life away. And 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 today as we as we think about people that we have loved and we have lost that we long for the day when that will be no more. And we will be forever in a physical body on a new earth in perfection and it'll be the best day ever. And so we will be taunting it with Jesus. Um one of the things that Paul is very clear about that the theology that he presents is the theology of a physical body that's not going to be abandoned, um, but it's going to be affirmed, that God's creation is good. And so he's going to affirm it by transforming it from the humiliation that we currently have to a new glory, Uh, from this present corruption and mortality to a new incorruption and an immortality, and that is the defeat of death. It's not a compromise which death is allowed to have the body while some other aspect of our spirit is up in heaven with Jesus. No, that is not total and complete victory. The victory that Paul is talking about is a victory where death is defeated once and for all and physical new creation life lives and marches on. And that is our story. And so it's such a good story to be in. Now, he doesn't ever talk that much about an immediate state, like when we die uh, and our bodies go into the ground or are cremated or whatever. But he does say in 2 Corinthians that when we're away from the body, we're at home with the Lord. And so life happens right now. We're made alive by the Spirit, and we continue to live by and in that Spirit when our bodies die. And then we are finally, this scene will unfold, and we will be clothed with our forever incorruptible imperishable, immortal bodies. We will live after death with Jesus, away from the body at home with the Lord. And then we will live life forever, clothed with a body like Jesus on a new earth, joined uh, to heaven forever. And so it's really life after death, life, right? (laughs) Life after life after death, as N.T. Wright likes to say. What's fascinating, I think, about this passage is that when he wraps up the passage, he doesn't doesn't say, now sit back and meditate on that, uh, or hide away in the hills and wait for Jesus's great return, or in fact, get caught up in the end times and and, uh, figure out all the details and try to predict when it's gonna happen. No, he says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you, and give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor is not in vain. What I love about that is he says, I'm appealing to you now, right? I want you to live in the present in light of the future. We, we would expect him to say, wait faithfully for it, but instead he says, get to work. That that work that you're doing now will last and live on into the future. So let's get after it for the future reality that is coming. It's already begun in you. So he says your faith today is not in vain. Your work today is not in vain. Your love of others and God today is not in vain. This is your story and this is in the story you're in and the one you're headed for. And so he gives them sort of three things. He says, first, stand firm. And then he rephrases it and says, be immovable or let nothing move you. And then he says, give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Lord. This work, like love, it continues and it lasts into the future. He doesn't say sit back and relax and wait for the show to start or hide yourself from the world and judge the world and condemn the world and wait for Jesus to come and conquer it, none of that fits into Paul's understanding of the end times in the church. He says, right now you, as the body of Jesus, are a colony of heaven on earth, the ecclesia, the called out ones, and right now your faith and your work done for the Lord matters. So don't just dip your toe into it. Give it all you got, because this is ultimate reality. This is what's coming. So don't float around on every cool way of doing life that would come up, but stand firm. This is God's story, and he doesn't want you to lose the plot. And there is so much today, uh, worldviews and thoughts that can move us, and the news that we read, so much of it is so fear-based that, it, that it, it moves us, but it moves us away from faith at times. And he says, stand firm. I don't want you to lose the plot. This is the story you're in. So have your feet rooted firmly in Christ. And also be immovable. Let nothing move you. That assumes that there's pressure that's coming against you. And those pressures come from the world that comes against us. Right now, fear and anxiety are just a normal sort of thing that comes against us. And he says, that pressure is going to come against you, but don't let it move you. Don't be moved off standing firm in your faith. Don't be moved into a different story. Don't be moved by suffering and fear, even though they're real, but step and stand firm in those moments because Christ has you. Don't be moved by persecution that that as people might come in and, and sort of attack you for your faith in Jesus, it would be easy to shrink back and to move away. And he says, don't, don't let that move you. Don't let others' opinions of God and his story move you. Don't be moved by pleasure and power and comfort and pride. Don't be moved by the appetites of the flesh. Like, stand firm. And as the pressures of the world and the flesh and the devil come at you, don't let them move you. And he says, always give yourself to the work of the Lord. One of the things that is so true that you find in the New Testament is that the people of God needed each other. Um, it, it wasn't it wasn't like today. It wasn't like you could just shop around on Sundays and go to the each different church with different you know programs or whatever but it, it was a hostile conditions that they lived in and so they gathered in small groups they needed each other they gathered around scripture and prayer and caring for each other and and serving the world around them. Um, that is the way that they, practice their faith so that they would stand firm, so that they would be immovable. And right now, we are in a place where, um, though we are working hard to lay out the different phases as things reopen in Oregon, the, the truth is it could be a while before we gather again on Sundays. But what is true about the church and has been true about the church for 2,000 years is that we can meet in any form that we can gather in any way. And now with technology, that's never been easier. And so one of the ways we're doing that so that we can stand firm and be immovable together, that we can live in this story together, is through small groups. Some of you are in uh, community groups of some sort. You've been meeting virtually. Um, Some of you are in other ministry groups and you're connecting with those folks. Um, That is so crucial right now. And if you aren't in a community group or if you want to lead a community group, I would encourage you. We have a sign up right here that is going to help you do that. It'll be on the website as well so you can get it. But this is a time when the church gathered is going to look really different. And it's going to look like gathered in small virtual groups. And then it might look like Uh, small virtual slash actually physically together groups, and it, it might look like this for a while, and it's important, brothers and sisters, that we recognize that the center of the church is not just a Sunday morning experience, but the center of the church is Jesus Christ, and it's us gathered around him together, caring for one another remembering his story, walking in the spirit, praying for each other, and serving together. And that is how we stand firm. That is how we become an immovable body. And so if you aren't connected with other brothers and sisters right now, that is a move that I would ask you to make. And it's not for me. It's not so that we could grow the church or something, but it's for you It's because just like Paul, my pastor's heart wants you to thrive in this moment. I want the church to thrive in this moment. And as we gather differently, we will continue to prevail. The church is not going away, right? The church has survived everything for 2,000 years. We're going to survive this too, and we will take new forms and new shapes in order to worship our Lord faithfully and to stand firm and be immovable, and so I encourage you to do that. Uh, we, This is our story and we need one another to help us live into it faithfully, to stand firm and to be immovable. A firm foundation assumes that we have a a strong base, that our feet are planted in the gospel, that our head is focused on Jesus, that our heart is centered on the Spirit, that we're girded up with mouths that bear witness to the reign of Jesus and the gift of new life, that our minds are meditating on our future hope and our hands are extended in sacrificial service. And so when he says, get on with the work of the Lord because your labor's not in vain, There are so many beautiful ways that you, Imago, have been doing that Um, through our relief fund, through Change for a Dollar, ways in which we have been able to extend Jesus's loving reach to the city around us through food and through uh, gift cards and other ways. And if you haven't read any of those stories, I would encourage you to go to our uh, outreach page on the website, which is full of beautiful stories as well as needs and ways that we've been able to step into those places in the city. Paul is telling us here that whatever you have participated in, in that way, is not in vain, that it lives on into eternity. And he says, so don't quit, don't stop, don't shrink back, keep leaning in. Uh, There are just some easy ways for us to do this right now for day laborers, for women in the sex industry. We uh, are putting together gift cards uh, between $20 and $35 from Freddy's or Safeway or Winco or bags of food. Uh, There'll be some sign-up slots for that so that we can help these people that need help right now. Uh, There's so many Organizations that are doing good work uh, and passing out bags of food for people. And they're just big needs right now. And we have an opportunity to participate with Jesus in meeting some of those needs. There's also a ministry called Know Me Now that is uh, focused on helping families and those who are experiencing incarceration. We talked about this during the Saving Justice series. But there'll be some information on the website of ways that you can help right now, whether that's uh, putting together kind of a new beginning bags for people who are reentering this COVID world or writing letters to uh, adults in custody or correction officers. We, wanna be, we don't want to forget the prisoners. Jesus told us that. And so that's one way that we can extend this. And so well, there are so many ways that are also right around you, your neighbors, your loved ones, people that you know that need that call, that need that, that gift, that need to know that they're seen and they're known as they might feel really alone right now. One of the things that I love about pastoring Imago Day is that you are a people that have been courageous when it comes to loving and serving those in need. And what what I want you to hear today is that Jesus sees that work and, and that it is not in vain, that that work will actually last into eternity. I don't know how and I don't know what it looks like, but I know that he says it's not just important today and it's not just important for that family that receives food, but it's important for all eternity. And that's a beautiful promise, that what we do now is not in vain. And so Imago Day, though we will take many different shapes over the coming season, though we will gather differently, uh, we will not be moved. As we live into this beautiful story of resurrection that we have tasted by the Spirit now, and that we live into fully, as people who know that another kingdom is broken in, another kingdom is coming. And we wait victoriously for that day when we will taunt death and say, Where is your victory? Where is your sting? Our king has won. Magodei, I love you. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much that you are the one that your people surround that you are the one that we bear witness to. You are the one who raises us up with Jesus from the dead, and we long, God, to be clothed with immortality. We long for the day when your creation will no longer groan. We long for the day where death is a forgotten memory. But in the meantime, God, as we wait for that mystery to unfold, for our Easter day to come, I pray that you would find us faithful, standing firm in faith, arm in arm, locked together in community, even if those are smaller groups right now, being immovable because we have each other, and that you would find us wholly at work for your kingdom, knowing that our faith and our love and our labor is not in vain. Meet with us now, as we move into communion and we celebrate that this victory over death actually came through your death and you conquered the grave once and for all. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.